everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, yeah. thank you. I'm Sam. The lovely creature splayed out upon the couch across from me <laughs> is Jules. And I... this is What's in Your Hometown. Yes. Where we talk about the shit going on in your backyard. <laughs> and by that, I mean, like, the murder that your neighbor definitely committed. <laughs> Or the urban legends that are particular to your hometown or, you know, the fact that your house is definitely haunted and Satan resides there. That's the (laughs) stuff we want to hear and that's the stuff we want to talk about. Yeah, I feel like the kind of the goal of this podcast is to really focus on kind of small town stories. uh, You say as we're about to cover them all, which is the biggest story in West Virginia. Okay, but it's still in West Virginia. (laughs) Which, by the way, uh, we are from West by God, Virginia, so we are hometown girls. Yes, absolutely. Because there is no place in West Virginia that's not a hometown. Charleston's (laughs) our biggest city, and it's still a hometown. (laughs) You still have to drive 30 minutes out of your way to get to a Walmart. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And it's not because, like, it's a tricky road to get there, because there's like construction and traffic and everything no, no there's just trees the trees away. are in the way yeah <laughs> there's uh, a mountain gotta go around that go, yeah <laughs> so jules what's what's in your backyard other than the satellite dish calling the aliens home <laughs> i do have an actual like post-apocalyptic looking it's satellite huge dish. and it's it, i mean it looks like it's from fallout which, speaking of Fallout, how excited oh are you God, for Fallout? I've never been more excited for a video game before in my life, except People will know Kingdom this Hearts is a 3. state. Right? <laughs> I'm going to be able to describe where I'm from to somebody. Mm-hmm. Also, they're not exaggerating on our roads. They actually look like that. Oh, they absolutely <laughs> do. Um, so, Sam, what's going on in your backyard? Um, Did I ever answer you? No, you have to go first. <laughs> what's in your backyard other than the dish calling the aliens home (laughs) that's why you can't sleep at night it's not your cats making a disturbance in your house it's the goddamn aliens i mean i at this point would be fine with it if it was just (laughs) aliens take me please i have student loans that's uh that's where we are But uh, I got to talk to my mom earlier. She was going to come visit and then decided not to. Because you weren't going to panic clean your house. Yeah, I wasn't going to (laughs) panic clean my whole house. So uh, that's what's going on in my backyard. What about yours? Uh, (laughs) I'm so tired. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so tired. All right. So y'all, I had my wisdom teeth taken out like a week ago and immediately decided to do everything I could possibly do. As a summer activity <laughs> in, one week. in one week. And let me tell y'all, hydrocodine is just amazing. It really is. I, have... I haven't felt my face. <laughs> uh, so today, we, okay, so we started this whole thing off. We're going to talk about the little stories of a hometown. And um, today we're going to cover the Mothman, which is probably West Virginia's biggest story. No, he's like the urban legend that goes along with this state. And it's what... Everybody else and their mother has talked about it. Yeah, we can pronounce oh, the we... names of places right. <laughs> we can bring something to this podcast that no other person has, and that is that it's pronounced, uh, uh, <laughs> I can't pronounce it now, it's pronounced Kanawha. Kanawha so County, Kanawha River. Yep, yeah, it's the Kanawha River, just, just in case you want to talk about the Mothman to anybody. Yes. You freaks. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, um, edit that out, Jeffrey. <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> one of the things that you learn pretty quickly about West Virginia is that we have a pretty thick regional accent here. Um, You're okay. The more excited I become and the more drunk I become, the worse my accent gets. So at some point, it's just going to be listening to vowels without consonants. <laughs> no. We're very proud of our home state, like all of West Virginians, but we also know what's wrong with us. <laughs> right. <laughs> Some of my dad's family got here at the founding of the country and just kind of... Got lost in the woods and wanted to stay. <laughs> right? Like, they really wanted to do that westward expansion thing, got to, like, fair chance and quit. They, they got <laughs> into, like, the West Virginia region and were so confused about what season it was that they decided not to move on. <laughs> right? Uh, so today, I'm just going to jump straight into it. Go for uh, it. The Mothman is a giant humanoid bird-like creature with a large wingspan and glowing red eyes. How terrifying is that? <laughs> just to see the devil on like a dark night in West Virginia, so it might actually be the so devil. It might actually be the devil, right? Um, <laughs> Running no, from that... the church on every corner. <laughs> that would be, I feel like I would be afraid if i realized what was happening if the devil went down to georgia and played the fiddle what would the devil do here oh strip clubs (laughs) (laughs) i answer my own question (laughs) yeah Yeah, pretty much Um, it's he he played the grass whistle in georgia here oh here (laughs) i was like i don't remember that part no no grass whistles we're too poor for fiddles (laughs) true anyway he appeared in and around Point Pleasant, West Virginia, most prominently between November 12, 1966, and December 15, 1967. But he had been seen, well, I don't know if it was the Mothman, but there was a bird-like creature that had been seen prior to 1966. But it was about 100 people that saw this creature. Because any, if, I mean, if you came home and told me today, oh, hey, I saw this eight-foot winged hell beast driving alongside (laughs) my car, I'd be like, you need to stop drinking. (laughs) But if a hundred people say the same thing, I'd be like, "Mm, I'm not going to go to Point Pleasant, West Virginia. (laughs) Absolutely not. Uh, I think to truly understand the Mothman, you have to understand Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and West Virginia in general. We've told you a lot of information about West Virginia, so let's go into the backstory of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Yes. Point Pleasant is is kind of along the Ohio River mm. in the it's it's actually where two state. waters meet. So it's where the Ohio River and the Kanawha River <laughs> where the Kanawha River meet. And there's some folklore about where two waters meet. It's supposed to be a curse place or something like that. I don't know. I I, I mean I haven't it. heard it, but uh, I'll go with it. You don't believe me for the purpose of this podcast. I'll just have to look it up later. That's all. Um. It's a small town on the banks of the Kanawha and the Ohio River. So, on October 10th, 1774, the Battle of Point Pleasant was fought on the future side of the town uh, between the Shawnee and the Mingo tribes and a thousand West Virginia militiamen. The principal chief of the Shawnee Nation, in an attempt to end the fighting, negotiated a treaty between the top tribes and the militiamen. To pay him back for ending all of this bloodshed, we brutally murdered him and his sons. <laughs> As, which is a very American thing. <laughs> yeah, that sounds... <laughs> I'm not surprised. Uh, there is a local legend around Point Pleasant, West Virginia, um, that with his dying breath, Chief Cornstalk cursed the land of Point Pleasant for 200 years. I got all this information from a lovely documentary on... Well, I got it from Amazon Prime. 
So there's the, there's this legend that he cursed the land. The first instance of the curse, the first mention of it, was in a play in the 1920s. Oh. Yeah, so I think that's just some bullshit. The bullshit talks. <laughs> Regardless, Point Pleasant has has just been surrounded by, like, bad luck. It's just, everything happens in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. It is a very uh, haunted place, from what I It's a very haunted place, and then between 1913 and 1937, there were four separate occasions where the Ohio River overflowed its banks, banks uh, causing thousands of dollars in damage and the loss of several lives. And, of course, there's the uh, Silver Bridge Collapse of 1967. So the land may be cursed. I don't think it was from Chief Cornstalk. I think it was because you brutally murdered Chief Cornstalk. <laughs> So, instances of the Birdman, because the Mothman was between 1966 and 1967, and then the Silver Bridge collapsed, just, he wasn't really seen after that. But there were Birdman sightings starting in 1914. Okay. It was described as a large bird with the head of a man, a wing spread of at least a dozen feet, of monstrous size covered in dark reddish feathers that glistened in the sun. Which, again, is terrifying. That just sounds kind of pretty. It's kind of pretty. This huge monstrous bird swooping down at you sounds kind of pretty. Yeah. Hmm. What? <laughs> For somebody who hates birds as much as you do. <laughs> I think they're pretty. I just don't want anything to do with them. <laughs> to do with them. Um, that's because you know it was Cody. It's pet birds. Yeah. You I don't, don't like, like pet, pet birds. birds. Cody was violently attacked by a goose. <laughs> yeah. Geese and swans, I think, are uh, proof that Satan is real. <laughs> And parrots. Parrots fall into that parrots? What isn't wrong with parrots? All right, let me me go down the list. I had to sleep next to a parrot. It was in a cage, but I had to sleep next to a parrot for a good six months. This bird would, like, every time I would kind of roll over in my sleep, it would stick its beak out of the cage and bite me and then laugh. Oh, it was a Furby. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember? But it was sentient. (laughs) (laughs) So were Furbies. Do you remember Furbies? Yes, I remember Furbies. My Furby broke and then turned on mysteriously in the middle of the night. Its voice box had broken, so it just had this demonic growl, and it laughed at me. I was like six years old, and it laughed demonically at me in the middle of the night with its glowing eyes, and I thought I was going to die, <laughs> and it was the most terrifying moment to this day oh, in my man. life. Mine would, mine would wake me up at 3.14 every morning. It knew! It knew, and it would go, <laughs> Feed me the souls of the innocents. <laughs> Furby is Furby hungry. Is hungry. <laughs> but anyway, no, I slept in the cage next to the, or I slept next to the bird in the cage. And uh, I, it just, it would like occasionally scream just for no reason. <laughs> All right, so you've had bad parrot experiences. I've had bad parrot experiences. Okay, but, but a monstrous size humanoid bird with a wingspan of at least a dozen feet is a-okay in your book as long as it's not a parrot <laughs> it's still not a parrot okay you said reddish feathers that glisten in the sun and that's all that you got from pretty. that yes <laughs> okay all right uh, well, these sightings persisted well into the 1940s. So it was from 1914 to the 1940s, and then they dropped off. But then in 1966, 
what we commonly known as Mothman showed up. So it might be the same Birdman and might not because Mothman isn't ever described as having red glistening feathers. No, but Mothman generally wasn't seen in daylight. He was twice. Twice? Yeah. Okay. I'll get into those. Both times. Well, one time was an okay experience. The other time scarred the woman for life. <laughs> uh, okay, so on November 11th or 12th, 1966, four men digging a grave about 80 miles east of Point Pleasant saw a man flying over top of where they were digging the graves. So they just saw this. They're digging graves. And they just saw this man. I would instantly think, oh shit, they're like, the, the souls are haunting me. Time for the rapture. Time for the rapture, (laughs) y'all. They seemed okay with it. They they saw him. He flew off. They were like, all right, let's get the job done. (laughs) Then on November 15th, 1966, uh, this is a story that most people know. Steve and Mary Mallett, along with their friends Roger and Linda Scarberry, we started off this by saying, oh, I know how to pronounce this, and I I don't know names. (laughs) (laughs) Tyson, we are trying to make a podcast here. Could you stop knocking shit off? He wasn't. He was just trying to chew on the pen. <laughs> um, Julia has three very fluffy cats that we're trying to podcast with. Yes. Who could not give a shit that we're doing something. No. They're wonderful uh, fluffy love balls, though, and they're um, not terribly smart. But they no, make no. Up for it. don't put that on Axel. My baby's very smart. Axel is very smart. I was referring more to the twins. The twins are oh, um, they're um a little vacant. Uh, for lack of a better phrase, bless those little hearts. <laughs> <laughs> also, heads up to all of you who have never met a southern woman in your life. If she says bless your little heart, that is not a nice thing to say. She is not blessing your heart. She is calling you a stupid dumbass <laughs> in the um, nicest way possible. It's how Southern women have avoided saying fuck <laughs> for generations. Bless your stupid little heart. Um, <laughs> Listen, if they say bless your stupid little heart, oh, you, you have done fucked, fucked up. up. <laughs> there is no mercy for you. Oh, no, because no, after no. that comes the torrent. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so November 15th, 1966, Steve and Mary Mallett, along with their friends Roger and Linda Scarberry, Scarberry? Scarberry, I think. Scarberry. Were riding around the TNT area just outside of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. They went north past the old power plant in the area when they saw a man in the road. Which, West Virginia, while we make fun of it, it is your neighbor will absolutely 100% help you. So if they saw a man in the road, they're getting they're ready gonna, to slow yeah. down to help him find somewhere. That's yeah. that's a no. good thing about West Virginia is it's very hometown, so people will always help you. So they saw a man in the road. They described the man as being easily seven feet tall and, like, gray in color. It had wings pressed against its back. Uh, it then unfolded its wings and ran towards the north power plant. Uh, the mallets and the scarberries thoroughly freaked out, took off towards Point Pleasant, as as you should if you just see a man, like, shoot straight up into the sky. Oh, yeah. No, that that's a that's a turntail run situation. No. That is an appropriate response. They realized, however, that the creature was chasing them. The mallets reported that they got up to about 100 miles per hour on some old-ass wet back, back roads in West Virginia, so you know it was curvy as it could possibly be. Mm-hmm. They're going 100 miles per hour, like, two wheels aren't on the ground, and this <laughs> <laughs> this uh, 
creature is keeping up with them. It would fly alongside and around the car. So not only is it keeping up with them, it's doing like aerial tricks. No. (laughs) No. It would fly alongside and around the car, but never got out in front of the car. I assumed that it was more than capable of getting out front of the car, and it decided not to. Uh, It chased them all the way to the city limits of Point Pleasant, and then it just sort of dropped off. Mm Mm-hmm. Many of the sightings that happened of the Mothman were in this same TNT area. Mm-hmm. So the TNT area started out as a bird sanctuary, funnily enough, before being sold off at a uh, sold off to a munitions factory that was built and covered around eight thousand acres. That's a large munitions That's factory. A very large, yeah. And if there's one thing we know about West Virginia factories, uh, there were no health and safety. <laughs> codes at all. <laughs> OSHA is not here. <laughs> OSHA is not here, y'all. It was known as the West Virginia Ordinance Works. It was in operation between 1942 and 1945, uh, but was abandoned after World War II. It then became a dumping ground for chemicals and toxic waste before it was given to the state for use as a wildlife reserve, which, good. I'm glad that it's no longer a to- like dumping ground for toxic chemicals, but I'm not going to trust any of the wildlife that come out of that area ever again. I'm going to have that, like, that <coughs> fish from The Simpsons. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's now the McClintock wildlife management area uh but it is known to the locals as the tnt area and now covers about 3,655 acres of former wartime industrial lands at the time of the sightings it was a hot spot for teens to drag race and make out around this time so the mothman wasn't the only creature haunting uh point pleasant west virginia so around this time at 7 p.m on november 2nd 1966 woodrow darenberger was heading home in his panel truck after a long, hard day on the road. As he drove up a long hill outside of Parkersburg on Interstate 77, a sudden crash sta- sounded in the back of his truck. Uh, he looked to find a sewing machine had fallen over on top of a stereo. Then a car swept up behind him and passed him, but another vehicle was following the car that passed him. He says that the second car drew alongside him, cut him off from in front, and sl- like slowed down, so it cut him off. Oh, that ass. <laughs> oh my Don't god. Don't you hate that so shit? Angry. If you're gonna pass me, do not slow down once you get in front of me. Berenberger gaped in amazement uh, because the car was shaped like an old, quote, old fashioned kerosene lamp chimney, uh, flaring at both ends, narrowing down to a small neck, and then enlarging in a great bulge in the center. So, like, I guess, like, the, the glass part of a kerosene lamp. He says that it was charcoal gray. Uh, he said that the object turned crossways, blocking the road, and he slammed on his brakes to avoid hitting it. The door to this kerosene lamp <laughs> slid open on the on the side of it. So on the side, a door slid open, and a man stepped out. Derenberger said the man never said anything, but the he, Derenberger, had a feeling like he knew what this man was thinking. So it was all telepathic communication. The stranger was about 5'10", with long dark hair, combed straight back. His skin was heavily tanned, which is a theme in all of the aliens found in and around the Point Pleasant area. Okay. They're all heavily tanned. He was wearing a dark top coat and underneath it some kind of garment made of a glistening greenish material that looked almost metallic in appearance. So he was trying to fit in with the dark top coat and just forgot to take the spacesuit off. Okay. I don't know. The way that you've described this dude, he sounds like just some very gaudy Italian man. Like, (laughs) 
the mafia came for Darren Berger in a kerosene lamp car. Um, the man told him almost telepathically to not be afraid. Bullshit. You just came out of a kerosene lamp. I'm pissing myself right now. Uh, that he meant no harm. He said that he came from a country much less powerful than Derenberger's. Again, I'm calling bullshit. I don't know. This is America in the 60s? Yeah. America's pretty powerful in the 60s. America's pretty powerful now. We just don't know about it because it's all kept secret. After, okay, I've been reading entirely too much about aliens and the government involvement. I hadn't noticed. (laughs) Um... This creature that appeared to Derenberger. He said that his name was Cold. And that he slept, breathed, and bled like Derenberger. So, like a human. Okay. Uh, He asked Derenberger about Parkersburg and what kind of place it was. Uh, Derenberger said that it was the center for businesses and homes, but it was the cities. Uh, Cold said that such places on his home planet were called gatherings. While they were talking, the spaceship ascended and hovered some 40 or 50 feet above the road. Cold told Derenberger to report the encounter to authorities, so he wanted him to report the encounter. He promised he would come forward at a later date to confirm it, and then he left. So that was Derenberger's meeting with Mr. Cold, as he later became known. Derenberger later had another incident with Mr. Cold. Uh, on November 4th, he was riding with a co-worker on Route 7 outside of Parkersburg when he felt a tingling sensation in his forehead, which you feel all the time, and that's called a migraine. <laughs> then thoughts from mr cold began to spring full-blown into his mind so you're just getting thoughts from this other person i don't like my own thoughts please keep yours out of my head right listen i have real bad add there's a lot going on in my head at any given time i don't need actual other voices you don't especially an alien voice right um cold explained he was from a planet of the planet of i'm not gonna say this right of lanolus l-a-n-u-l-o-s lanolus 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 here's this west virginia can't pronounce things um which was in the oh no which was in the galaxy of ganymede we're gonna go with that Okay. It was like Earth with flora, fauna, and seasons. <laughs> and I wrote in parentheses, and probably not melting ice caps. <laughs> no, it had to have melting ice caps. Why on Earth would you leave somewhere like that otherwise? Come on now. That's true. He had married a lady, Mr. Coldhead, married a lady named Kimmy, and they had had two sons. People in Lanolis lived about 125 to 175 Earth years. There was no war, poverty, hunger, or misery. And he actually described it as naturally. There was no war, but naturally. We are on Earth. This is not natural to us. No. Don't act all high and mighty if you're going to contact me. Get out of my head. I (laughs) I don't need you to talk down to me. I do that to myself. Thank you, sir. Uh, Okay, so going back to additional Mothman sightings after, um, because that was around the time of the first first Mothman sighting. So, additional Mothman sightings. After the Mallet sighting hit newspapers in November of 1966, Point Pleasant and the TNT area had an influx of people armed with rifles and guns. (laughs) That's part of the course. That is very West Virginian. Yeah. Denny Blamey, the director of the Mason County Convention and Visitors Bureau at the time, 
stated the Mothman of Point Pleasant in the Mothman of Point Pleasant documentary directed by Seth Breedlove. He said, and I quote, there was only two questions they wanted to know. Number one, are we allowed to shoot it? Number two, is there more than one and can we shoot two? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, They, of course, all these people, because, I mean, it was just people with guns prowling the TNT area, because that's safe. Uh, They never saw the Mothman, and eventually they were rounded up by the National Guard because they posed a threat. And they were just sent home. So the second sighting, the second big sighting, uh, was reported by Marcella Bennett and Raymond Ramsley and Kath- Kathy Ramsley. Wham- it's W-A-M-S-L-E-Y. Ramsley? Ramsley. Okay. I've heard conflicting stories about Marcella Bennett's story. Um, this actually came from her. This is her telling her story in this documentary, so I just took her words. According to Marcella, her, her brother, and her sister-in-law went to the TNT area to visit her sister. They had visited for about an hour before they decided to go home. Or she was already at the house, and in this account, they had gone there and were visiting. Her brother kept telling her to look up into the sky, and she had sort of, like, waved him off and kept walking. There were lights in the sky that he was seeing and he, he kept trying to tell her, hey, look into the sky, look into the sky, this is amazing. And she was like, no, I want to go home, get in the damn car. Which, <laughs> fair, after I've visited family for a while, I'm like, I- I've had enough. Please. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> please, please, please. She waved him off and kept walking. Uh, at the time, she was holding her three-year-old daughter. She said it wasn't until she received, or she had reached for the door handle of the car that she saw the figure. Uh, she said, quote, I, it's, I started at his feet, or where his feet should be. I saw no feet, but I saw gray. She kept looking up until she saw that it had wings like a bird and stood with its neck stuck down, so like stuck into its chest. That's when she turned and tried to run, but she fell face down. The poor child. She was holding this poor child. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're in a panic and you're turning really quick to run. Oh, well, yeah, no, it's not like I don't understand how you could have fallen, but like, oh, the baby. That poor baby. Her brother, at this point, was yelling at her to get up, get up, get up, hurry, come into the house. He was waving her towards the house. He had already gone to the house. He was not going to go he <laughs> save his sister. He has protective instincts. <laughs> he is the best brother. That is a family thing. If, if my brother, I love my brother dearly. I love all of my siblings dearly. If there is a giant winged beast standing beside them, I am not going back for them. I will wave <laughs> at them to come towards me, but that is their problem at, their, at that point. I'm also a horrible human being. Though. I was gonna say I would at least like if you were within grabbing distance, I would grab. Well, oh yeah, run. I would. Gr- I would try and grab one, but he wasn't within grabbing distance because he had like stopped at the porch to look up the lights, and she continued on to the car. So her brother was yelling at her. So she got up and she ran into the house. She had just gotten into the house and closed the door when it, the Mothman, hit the door. So she had, oh. like, it had pursued her. She had ran into the house and they had, it's like a scene from a horror movie. Yeah. They had just closed the door and then it hit the door. Oh, I, I don't <sighs> like that. No, I don't like that. It hung around for a while before it took off straight into the air and disappeared. Mm. No. No, no. Uh, Marcella states it was, quote, nothing from this earth. I know that that the creature, whatever it was, didn't live here. She was positive about that. Because the Men in Black sort of started targeting uh, people who reported Mothman's uh, sightings, she was later almost run off the road by by a large man wearing a bushy wig in a Ford Galaxy. 
So it's just this oh large alien man in like a clown wig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it tried to run her off the road. Um, and then it just sort of raced around her and disappeared when it couldn't run her off the road. By the way, her daughter was in her car during all of this. Well, that poor kid has gone through too much. I feel like it might just be after the kid. Like, <laughs> right. I don't really care that much about mom. Um, so she went around the bend that the car had just gone around and saw it parked crossways across the road to try and stop her. Mm-hmm. And she reacted as one should react. She jammed her foot on the gas pedal and sped towards it. And when, <laughs> yeah. Because get out of my way. I'm not stopping for you. I will run you over. Uh, when it when the driver saw that she wasn't going to stop, he I mean, he was still in the car. So when the driver saw that she wasn't going to stop, he quickly pulled off to the side of the road and she sped on by and got into the city limits and it was fine. Okay. Yeah. So that That's a good, I mean, you look at me like that's a horrible idea. I think that's a good idea. Don't I mean, stop. It, oh, okay. I, I just... I want to go back to the part where you said, as a normal person should react. (laughs) And I feel like I missed something important. What do you mean? I just mean... Okay, this car almost runs you off the road, and then it speeds around you, and you come across... You come around the bend that it just sped around, and it's parked crossways in the road to try and stop you. Yeah, you don't use your car with your three-year-old daughter in it as a goddamn battering ram. (laughs) What else did she have? The reverse gear. <laughs> okay, fair. It's fair. I will give you that. All right. The next sighting, although it wasn't technically a sighting, it could have just been aliens, but it's attributed to the Mothman. It was on November 14th, 1966. This one's sad. The dog dies. Oh, no. Yeah, spoiler alert. Um... Newell Partridge uh, had a dog, had this huge German Shepherd dog that dashed into the darkness and just vanished. He says that around 10.30 at night, he had been watching TV and suddenly his TV blanked out. He said, quote, a real fine herringbone pattern appeared on the tube. And at the same time, the set started a loud whining noise, winding up to a high pitch, peaking and breaking off as if you were on a musical scale and you went as high as you could and came back down and repeated it. It sounded like a generator winding up. It reminded me of a hand-filled generator that one might use for a portable radio transmission in an emergency. So that came over his television. Television, Mm -hmm. right. Bandit, his large German shepherd, about the same time was on his porch and began wailing. So Partridge picked up a flashlight and went outside to investigate. He said, quote, the dog was sitting on the end of the porch, howling down toward the hay barn in the, bod- uh, in the bottom of his land. Shined the light in that direction and picked up two red circles, or eyes, which looked like bicycle reflectors. Still, there was something about those eyes that is difficult to explain. When I was a kid, I night hunted all the time and certainly know what animal eyes look like. Um, he says, these are much larger for one thing. It's a good length of a football field to the hay barn. Like, so from his house to the hay barn where he saw these eyes, it's about the length of a football field, around 150 yards. He said, still, those eyes showed up huge for that distance. Yeah, that's, that's not great. That's not okay. He did, he did what I would do and just back inside. I'd be like, nope, this isn't happening. (laughs) Oh my. Yeah. Uh, well, Bandit took off. 
towards these eyes. I'm not going to chase my dog towards these glowing red eyes that are huge from 150 yards away. All right, I guess that's fair. Yeah. Um, he says, as soon as the flashlight hit the eyes, Bandit snarled and ran towards them. Uh, he felt a wave of fear that kept him from going after the dog and slept with a loaded gun beside his bed. So that's how afraid he was. Well, I, okay, I say that that's <laughs> I say that's how afraid he was, but most West Virginia men sleep with a loaded gun beside their bed. That he says the next day he went looking for his dog. He said that he could see Bandit's paw prints. He said at the position of the eyes he found a large number of dog tracks going in a circle as if the dog had been chasing its tail. Uh, he couldn't see the tracks go off anywhere, though he did see a series of fresh tracks, which apparently led from the porch to the spot where he ran in circles. So he followed these tracks, for, uh, his dog tracks, from his porch to where it ran in circles, and the dog just vanished. Vanished. In thin okay. air. I say the Mothman picked him up, took off him. And what's interesting about that is, um, I think this was before, uh, not Marcella, but the Matwells. Was that their name? Yeah. I'm not sure. Before the first sighting of the Mothman, they had seen a, on their road to Point Pleasant, they had seen a large dog on the side of the road. And it looked like it had. Okay. So that might have been Bandit. Oh. That's sad. Let's move on to Bob Bossworth. I almost said Bob Bobsworth, which is a much better name. (laughs) Uh, Bob Bossworth. Uh, he states that he and a friend were driving around one night. He says that the moon was very bright, so they had turned off the lights to their motorcycles and were driving by the light of the moon, which is a horrible idea. I almost hit a biker doing that. Don't do that. Why and would you do that? No, I, my lights weren't off. Oh. No, 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 no. His lights were off. So it was in Beckley, which if you get through, well, it wasn't in Beckley. It was out towards Gent or Daniels, but people don't want to know where that is unless you're from that area. So you say Beckley, people mostly know where Beckley is. Right. So it's, I mean, it's, it really is just this swath of straight road and there's some turns, but it's not bad, but it was this dirt bike on the road. They, he didn't have reflectors and I did not see him until I was right up on him and I almost ran him over. Oh man. So don't do that, please. Yeah. Please keep your headlights on. Yeah. Um, so they were driving around by the light of the moon and he said that he saw a figure on top of the roof of a three-story building. This was in the TNT area. They're driving around in the TNT area. I said, I wrote the note. Like the good old boys they were, they decided to go and see what it was. Oh, no. No, this is abandoned ammunition car. This is how every horror movie starts. Starts, exactly. Don't um, do that. They stopped at the entrance of the building and looked up to see eyes looking down on them and continued on. Please stop. <laughs> Don't do it. If it's watching you enter the building, it's definitely going to murder you. They still decided to go up. Uh, when they reached the third floor, he said they could make out the outline in the dark, but it was because it was in the shadows of the building, so they couldn't really see it. It very slowly walked towards them, but stayed on the dark side of the floor. Again, leave. <laughs> get out. This is how wrong turns started, and you yeah, need to right? get out. Like, you just, for one thing, maybe don't, I mean, I know that this is going to piss off a couple people. Maybe don't wander around abandoned buildings in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. You know what's fun? Go during the day when you can see what's happening. Yeah, that's also, that's very fun. (laughs) But don't do it at night, please. Safety first. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. He said he didn't notice any red eyes, but said that might have been because there was no light to reflect them. 
So apparently they're, they're very reflective. It's not just glowing red eyes. It's reflected red. Okay. He actually said it looks sort of like a large robin. That's terrifying. What? That is horror movies from the 60s is the attack of the large robin. No. <laughs> Um, it's not blood. It's not blood. Um, it didn't have a long neck, just a large head on its shoulders. He said then it slowly turned towards the catwalks of the building. He didn't see it take off, but he heard what sounded like wings, and it was gone. Shortly after uh, 1.30 on November 18th, 1966, two volunteer firefighters, Paul Yoger and Benjamin e- Enoy, Enox, E-N-O-I-X, and Benjamin, they saw a large white shadow fly across their car but when they uh went to look they couldn't find a trace of it Mm -hmm. the next report came from faye do laporte is that do you know what oh no that's a name (laughs) i wrote these notes you all (laughs) um Oh, this is my favorite story. This is, is favorite? yeah. This is the is one I told you. The the pure essence of, of West, West Virginia, Virginia boiled down into a story. This is the pure essence of West Virginia boiled down into one single man. All right. This is all. If you take anything away from this, this is all you need to know about West Virginia right here. Okay. So the next report came from Faye Dewitt Lapore. She said her brother and his twin brother and her sister, so her brothers and her sister, uh, had been going up to the TNT area to see if they could find the Mothman, but wasn't having any any luck, any luck <laughs> until one trip. So they hadn't had any luck until like this one trip where they had gone up into the TNT area. Now remember, they were asking for this. They had gone up to search for the Mothman. Mm-hmm. So they had gone up into the TNT area and she noticed her brother was looking at her really weird and she was like, what? What is it? What? Do you want to say something to me? What's going on? What is it? And he looked at her and said, um, well, don't look, but there's something beside your window. How can you not look? And don't start it off with don't look. I'm gonna look. There's some, just say there's something beside your window. Don't panic. Yeah. So she, of course, looked. She said she didn't know if it was running or flying, but it was keeping up with the car. I I hope it was flying because if it's running and keeping up with the car, that's a whole nother type of monster. It is. So her brother took what I call an old shit turn and what some people call a kiss your ass turn. It's just, you're, they're probably going really fast and you go up, like, just, and take a turn. Yeah. I call them the old shit turn because you have the old shit handles in your car to hold on to. Yeah. Uh, so we took an old shit turn, but it followed them. Like, it, it was, the Mothman was just like, oh, we're going this way now. Okay. And I just followed them. <laughs> I really hope that that's the tone and cadence of the Mothman's voice. Um, so they took one more old shit turn and thought that they had lost it. So they stopped. At which point, the Mothman landed on the hood of their car and squatted down to look at them. Oh. I would piss myself. Yeah. That would be it. I would start freaking out. Heart attacks would happen. Uh, At that point, that's when you really start to consider moving across the country. Across the country. I don't think I want to be here anymore. This was a bad decision. Can we just go home? I know that we came out here specifically <laughs> to look for this, but... Oh, God. I, 
That would be awful. It would be awful. After looking at them for a bit, it jumped off the car and ran to the nearest building. <laughs> and this is my favorite part. <laughs> Her brother got out of the car and started throwing rocks at it. Why would you do that? I Part of me wants to rationalize this and be like, sometimes people get angry when they get scared. <laughs> But it's at some point you just realize that death has flashed before your, your eyes, eyes and, and you escaped you because it in the went away. Car. Exactly. No, no. He got out of the car, picked up a piece of coal, and started throwing it at the Mothman. And I, it's so funny to me because I can only imagine the rest of his family was in the car going, "What the fuck are you doing?" And the Mothman was like, the pebbles were like landing at his feet. And the Mothman was looking down and going, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I can only imagine how angry his sisters had to be. Because I know how angry I get when people try to like yell out of my window at other people. To actually physically get out of the car and start throwing things. Yeah, I'm looking at you for this. Um, I just, I feel like I would take the car and leave. Like, yes. it would be your own fault at that point. I'm leaving you there. Yep. Don't get out of the damn car. I, I just, and if, like, if I'm not in a position to be able, like, if he was the one driving and then he got out of the car, like. Okay, so the checklist for don't get murdered. One, don't be on back roads. Two, don't enter the building at night. And three, don't get out of the damn car. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's not a difficult checklist. It's only three things. <laughs> I think I can follow that checklist. So he, he started throwing rocks at it. <laughs> And it was okay for a little bit. And then, like, the rock hit the Mothman, and it pissed him off. So he opened his wings and shot straight up into the air. Mm. Faye did say, however, that it was the prettiest set of wings you had ever seen on anything. Didn't I tell you earlier that I thought it was going to be pretty? (laughs) Didn't I tell you that? And I'm horrified by it, and you're like, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> I didn't think it was cute. Oh, There's pretty. A difference. Um, there's a difference. I'm glad that the one that was freaking terrified agrees with me. That this would be a real pretty <laughs> set of wings. After it had flown away, Faye later described it as having a heel like a human with a long foot like a human and toes with claws at the end of the toe. So, talons. It had talons. Human-like talons. Okay. It had a neck like a human and a round type head. It had a nose like a human and two holes in the nose that it breathed out of. Because she got, she was one of the few people that got, like, a close-up view of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, She said it was big and had red eyes, but that they didn't glow. So it's got to be a reflection of light. It had red eyes that reflects on the light. Okay. So during this time, while the Mothman was prowling, Point Pleasant, uh, as John Keel says, (laughs) the strange ones began to arrive in West Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh no alright for one thing you come up with a better name than the strange ones here's the things I told my around? I told my roommate Cody that exact quote and Cody goes begin the strange ones <laughs> are here, here. <laughs> it's what we they're, they're just they're what we are you know <laughs> what, what? They are. <laughs> West Virginia was founded by as the like strange a, ones <laughs> right 
No, it was founded as like a like a first line of defense for the people in Williamsburg, Virginia. Mm-hmm. So that whenever the Native American raiding parties came through, they would just kill us first. Yes. You have to have some level of crazy in you (laughs) to be like, yeah, cool. No, that sounds fine. I'll totally go live there. So, like, the strange ones is just (laughs) the white people in West Virginia. (laughs) Okay, I'll give you that. (laughs) That's what John Keel says, though. Black limousines had started halting in front of quote-unquote Hill Holmes. Okay. There's a lot, like, The Mothman Prophecies is a great book. There's a lot of instances within that book that I'm like, excuse you. (laughs) (laughs) Could you not refer to us as hillbillies? (laughs) Like, here's your uh, dark Italian man. And deeply tanned census takers started inquiring about the number of children living with family. So, these black limousines would just start pulling up outside of homes in West Virginia in the 60s and then would come to their door posing as census takers. <laughs> like how many children yes, do you have? posing as census takers, wanted no information about the parents, and was just like, I want to know all about your kids. And not just like, oh, how many kids you are. They wanted, like, medical history. They wanted every bit of information about these children. Oh, okay, cool. So things that wouldn't really be relevant to the census. (laughs) Exactly. Around that time, UFOs started showing up in mass. Point Pleasant has always been known for its UFO sightings, but around the time that the Mothman was haunting Point Pleasant, the UFOs really just kicked it up a notch. Um. (laughs) Like, like Emerald Lagasse? (laughs) Really? Bam! Bam! You have Oh no, y'all, I broke her. I'm sorry. I'm going up to find where I am now. Damn you. Okay. It's around this time that Mary Heyer, I believe that's how you pronounce her name, had her first strange visit. Now, the important thing to know about Mary Heyer is she's a badass motherfucker. And I love her. She, when the Mothman first started showing up and people started reporting it, made, like, her own newspaper column. Okay. Specifically for the strange things going on in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And, I mean, reported everything. And these men in black would just show up at her office and harass her. And she was like, kiss my ass. I'm gonna keep writing about it. (laughs) I love this woman. So, it was around this time that Mary Heyer had her first strange visits, because she'd been reporting about this for a while now. Uh, so, Mary Heyer and her first strange visit. A very small man entered her office. She said he was about four foot six. He was wearing nothing but a short-sleeved blue shirt and thin blue trousers, even though it was only 20 degrees outside, which 20 degrees in West Virginia is 20 degrees of bitter wind. So he definitely needed something else. Yeah. He was also wearing odd shoes with very thick soles, which added an inch or two to his height. So he's actually shorter than what I described. He also had a bowl cut, which is not a good cut on anybody. No, but it, it was the 60s. I had a bowl cut. My father, Why? <laughs> my father refused to let my mother cut my hair, which I don't know if you've hung around the little girls. <laughs> when you were little maybe not now don't just hang around little girls <laughs> i don't think you'll have to worry about that <laughs> okay but 
my like my sister, she had this long blonde hair when she was a baby, and it was disgusting because they play all day and shit gets in it, food gets in it. It's disgusting hair, and my mom was tired of it, so she got fed up with it one day, put a bowl on top of my head and cut around it and just sent me off to school. Um. Anyway, he had a bowl cut. And he spoke in a low and halting voice. So he asked Hire for directions to Welch, West Virginia. She says his eyes remained fixed on her in an unflinching, hypnotic way the whole time. And he kept getting closer and closer and closer to her. He told her this long-winded story about how his truck had broke down and he had hitchhiked all the way here. But during all this, he kept getting closer to her. Until, that is, he noticed a ballpoint pen on her desk and examined it with amazement, like he hadn't ever seen a pen before. When she said he could have it, he cackled loudly and ran out of her office. As a college student, I understand, I understand how wonderful free things is. Frisbees? I have so many Frisbees. Do I ever use a Frisbee? No. But I was so fucking happy to get a Frisbee because I didn't have to pay for it. See, I went to <coughs> party school, so I have so many beer koozies. That's true. WBU. Don't care. I love free shit. But I've never cackled loudly and ran away with something I got for free. I can't say I have either. <laughs> Maybe I just haven't gotten anything good enough yet. <laughs> this ballpoint pen was the shit, then. <laughs> the best ballpoint pen you've ever written with. Did, wasn't this, like, roughly about the same time when NASA invested all that money in trying to make a pen that could write in space? And Russia was just like, just send a pencil. <laughs> um, so he cackled loudly and ran out of her office with her pen. But okay. I, I guess she gave it to him. Uh, she later saw the same little man on the street, and when he recognized her, he bolted down the street and dove into a large black car, which sped off. So he was committed to not giving that pin back. <laughs> <laughs> After that, there were various other sightings of the Mothman. Because that, that's just uh, when, basically, the men in black started pestering Mary Heyer. Okay. On November 20th, uh, Howard Miller of Nicholas County said he saw a large bird with red half-moon eyes that was about four feet tall. A couple driving near Ferry Branch, about 55 miles south of Point Pleasant, saw a large bird-like creature. And Brenda Jones of Point Wick, which was an hour away from Point Pleasant, saw she saw a large bird dart off on foot into the woods behind her farm. So every everyone and their mother is seeing okay. this man. On November 21st, Richard West in Charleston calls police at 10.15 a.m. to report a sighting. He describes it as a Batman, six foot tall, with a wingspan of eight feet, sitting on the roof of a neighbor's home. It had red eyes. He said when asked that the creature flew straight up like a helicopter with no noise. So, it's, I just don't like how it flies. I don't like how it just shoots up. Because things that go up come down. <laughs> and I don't want to be in the way when it comes down. Uh, also, not in Point Pleasant anymore. Now it's in Charleston. Okay. Oh my god. It's our government. <laughs> That's what this is. Oh no. It's, oh, this is the beginning of our Supreme Court justice. Oh. He finally took human form and sat on the Supreme Court. Good lord, y'all. Alright. <laughs> A little bit of what we're talking about is the, U the West Virginia Supreme Court has just gone through an absolute debacle. They bought really... a 35 thousand dollar couch thousand dollar thirty two oh 
that's much better. It wasn't better. <laughs> but it, it bumped it up to 35000 with, like, throw pillows and everything. It has its own Twitter account. <laughs> it does. Um, look it up. It's look so it up. great. It's, it's very good. <laughs> At least one other Supreme Court justice has stepped down in the mm-hmm. wake of this controversy because... Truthfully, all five of them are in some just pretty deep shit right now. Spending a whole bunch of the state's money. Yeah, just on things for themselves. Mm-hmm. And the chief justice, the one that we were talking about, literally wrote the book about <laughs> political corruption in the West Virginia court systems, and he ran and was elected on a platform of not doing that. <laughs> not doing that. That's because he was in the Mothman and was just learning about things from Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Um, head canon accepted. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, November 25th, Thomas Yuri reported a sighting. Now, he was one of the few to see the Mothman during the day. Because usually people saw him at night. Him or her. I'm not going to sex the Mothman. It can be whatever it feels like. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we don't call him it. I'm trying to be respectful. <laughs> Sorry. It... <laughs> oh, no, I dug myself in a hole. <laughs> the alien. Can I just say the alien? Sure. Okay, the alien lived its best life. Yidi yibu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thomas Yuri was one of the only people to see the alien during the day. He said he saw a giant bird circling his car while he was driving beside the Ohio River just outside of Point Pleasant. So we're back in Point Pleasant. When he first saw it, he, when he first saw the Mothman, he thought it was a helicopter, but he couldn't hear any noise. However, when the Mothman rose over the trees, it started circling this guy's car about 500 feet in the air. With each circle, however, it would get lower and lower. And the last pass, it came about 75 feet over his car. So, it's a vortex of terror. Uh, yes. (laughs) He said he felt afraid at first, but then got the feeling that it was just curious about him, just as curious about him as he was about it. I think this is the only encounter with the Mothman where somebody was like, "Uh, no, it wasn't really threatening. (laughs) But it was in the broad daylight, so maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe. It eventually went back towards the river. He guessed that it had about a 10-foot wingspan. The next person to see the Mothman was Lawrence Gray in late November. He was 19 at the time. He said uh, sometime in the night he woke up and noticed what he called the devil standing at the foot of his bed. So now the Mothman's not, like, outside. It's in your house. Oh, that's a problem. That's <laughs> that's a big problem. Does it have thumbs? <laughs> <laughs> it has human-like feet, so maybe. Okay, well, now that it's figured out doorknobs. <laughs> but he said it, it felt like the devil to him, which, West Virginia, we're in the Bible Belt, so. The northern tip of the Bible Belt, but, like, it's still very deep. In the Bible Belt. Here. Yeah. He said the figure is about... Six feet tall, gray in form, with red eyes. He said that it had this evil presence and that he froze up immediately. He started praying and said it began disappearing once he did. So this one, it didn't take straight up and fly off. That he started seems praying. Like sleep paralysis. Yeah, and it, it like it just disappeared. 
Okay. So, the, yeah, that seems that a lot like sweet paralysis. However, the next sighting was in St. Albans near Charleston on November 26th. Uh, Ruth Foster, a housewife, saw the Mothman in her front yard. She described the creature as being six feet tall with red eyes. Um, she was one of the very few witnesses who claimed to see the face of the creature. So, there was um, the twin brother that threw the rock at the Mothman. His sister had seen the face of the creature, and Ruth Foster had seen the face of the creature. She said, quote, it was standing on the lawn beside the porch. It was tall with big red eyes that popped out of its face. My husband is six foot one, and this bird looked about the same height or a little shorter, maybe. It had a funny little face, which is <laughs> the best way to describe anything. Um, it had a funny little face. I didn't see any beak. All I saw were those big red poppy eyes. The next day, Sheila Kane, her neighbor, and uh, Sheila Kane and her sister saw a seven-foot-tall figure with big red eyes in Foster's yard. So, apparently, the Mothman really liked being described as having a funny little face and decided to stick around. All right. Soon after this sighting, the second full day, like, daylight sighting. So, yes. there was the first one where it circled the car and then this one. With poor Connie Carpenter. I feel so bad for this woman. Uh, it was about 10.30 a.m. when New Haven resident Connie Carpenter was driving home from church and sees a man standing near a golf course. Like, there was a golf course, and it was just on the side of the road near the golf course. She said, suddenly, large wings unfolded from the creature. They were about 10 feet wide. She says it flew straight into the air and swoops down like it was going to attack her in yeah. her car. Connie says she was transfixed by its large red eyes, saying once they were fixed on me, I couldn't take my own off him. So sort of like the hypnotized eye, hypnotizing eyes of the little man in Mary Hire's office. This poor little, this poor woman. Uh, after her Mothman sighting, she started hearing loud beeping sounds outside her bedroom window. Then on February 22nd, 1967, someone tried to abduct her. This is the men in black part. Because uh, they... Like I said, they would just sort of go around to people who had seen this Mothman. Anyone, basically, who reported an alien, sil or alien sighting, the men in black would just slip them threatening notes. Like, shut your mouth or we're going to come for you. And nobody really did. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't really effective. No, not really. <laughs> she had married Keith Gordon, who she was dating at the time of her Mothman sighting, and moved across the river to Ohio to start school. But she would walk to school every day. So she was walking to school one day when a large black car pulled up. The driver opened his door, which I wrote red flag number one, because you can roll down the window to yell at me. <laughs> Don't open your door. And called her asking for directions. She walked over to the car, and then I put in parentheses, girl, no. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. When she reached the vehicle, no surprise, that was me again. <laughs> the driver lunged, grabbed her arm, and ordered her to get in with them. So she must have been I terrified. just feel like this is why, like, the 60s and 70s were the heyday for serial killers. Don't get in the damn car. Yeah. Like, I, I get that, like, stranger danger wasn't super effective, but I feel like it was more effective than this. <laughs> what was the drug program? Dare. Dare. Dare was the least effective thing I have ever seen before in my life. It was the they biggest... would come with the drugs to show kids what they looked like. Right. All right, kids, don't buy this. I know you've never seen it before, so you wouldn't know, but this is definitely meth, and don't buy it. <laughs> um, oh, God, Dare. Uh, so she managed to break free from him and ran back to her house and locked herself in which good good mean, yeah yeah it's not in my notes but 
I remember this whole story. She not only locked herself in her house, but locked herself in the bathroom and just sort of bawled until her husband got home. I feel so bad I for would her. too. Oh my god, some creepy ass <laughs> freaking guy just tried to grab me outside of my house. Can you imagine the fear? Oh god. Yeah, I can't. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it. She said the next day, she didn't go to school the next day. She took a couple of days off school, as you should. You were I almost think that's abducted. Fine. The next day, there was a knock on the door. When she cautiously opened the door, there was no one in sight, but on the porch was a note saying, Be careful, girl. I can get you yet. No! Oh, right? No. Your eyes got so big. Oh. No. Oh, I do not God. like that. I don't I'm like sorry. that at all. Okay, so- and then on December 4th, getting back to the Mothman, um, five pilots at the Galapa- Galapolis? Galapolis Airport in Ohio? Ooh. Mm. Saw a small plane flying erratically over the landing strip. What they thought was a small plane. As it passed directly overhead, they realized they were seeing a massive bird of enormous size with a sizable neck and bill. So, there's differing reports. Like, some people say the Mothman doesn't have a neck. Some people say that there is a neck. And uh, that that's very important for later. For like I'm going to discuss the theories about what the Mothman is. And say so the fact that it has this huge neck is very important later. Okay. And then December 7th, we're getting into John Keel. On December 7th, John Keel arrived in Point Pleasant for the first time and talked with poor little Connie Carpenter. Connie and her boyfriend Keith volunteered to go with Keel to the TNT area and entered one of the ammo domes with him to look for the Mothman. Because they'd heard everybody's stories and he was like, well, I'm going to go. And Connie and Keith volunteered to go with him. They didn't see anything until Connie started screaming, those eyes, those eyes, he's here. I feel so bad for this poor woman. She's scarred for life. Keel and Keith didn't see anything, but decided to take Connie home. Damn right, take Connie home. She has been there enough. Afterwards, Keel drove back to the area to check it out. But on the way there, he says he passed a certain point on one of the isolated roads when he was suddenly engulfed in fear. He stepped on the gas, and after a few yards, the fear vanished as quickly as it came. So he turned around and drove back through the <laughs> Julia's like smacking her like oh my hand or face. Don't. What is it? Face palm? palm? It is it is a face palm. Face. It's a full yeah. on face palm. Don't like Don't go back for it. Again, okay, yeah. add that number four on the don't get murdered list <laughs> is don't go back for it. Yeah. Don't go back for anybody. <laughs> If you had, to, <laughs> if you have had to leave them, they assume they're dead. Continue on. Uh, so he turned around and went back, and a wave of unspeakable fear swept over him again. He later explained it as being beams of ultrasonic waves, nothing to be afraid of. So they were just ultrasonic waves. How he, do you? He knows more than I do. I'm sorry. So. <laughs> don't know how I would like identify an ultrasonic wave <laughs> in the wild with your like... ultrasonic wave gun duh Julia okay. <laughs> sorry I forgot he returned the next day to look for power transmission lines but found nothing so he was looking for anything that would give off these ultrasonic waves I don't know what an ultrasonic wave is but anything that would give them off didn't find anything so he just drove through a zone of fear during the same time that Kill was investigating the TNT area, a young man reported he was living further up the Ohio River reported having seen a brilliantly illuminated object floating in the air just above the river. So this was the, like the same time that they were that him, Connie, and Keith were at the TNT area. He said it was circular in shape, 
and appeared to have windows covered with curtains that looked like aluminum foil. And then I wrote a note that just says neighbors in Ohio. Or not Ohio. <laughs> I did say Ohio, but I meant Hawaii. Neighbors in Hawaii. Because we, like, where we live, we have these neighbors who their whole house just has tin foil over <laughs> over the windows. And it is the creepiest thing I've ever that seen. Is- they have like concerning. six children with tin foiled windows. Mm. Oh, that's mm. not. I don't like it. All right. Um, about two hours later, Mister and Mrs. I don't think I wrote this right. Charlotte Hearn of Chester, Ohio, saw something similar to the um, floating lights. Their home was directly opposite the TNT area on the Ohio side of the river. Mister Hearn was walking his dog. The dog survived this time. Oh, good. Uh, Mr. Hearn was walking his dog when he noticed red lights on the opposite riverbank. He realized that he could see figures moving in the red lights. Uh, He called his wife to watch. Then they woke up their neighbors. It's like 2 a.m. I don't care what's going on outside at 2 (laughs) a.m. Rude. Rude. Um... (laughs) To wake up the neighbors. They were red and orange lights. That flashed on and off before they went out completely and a bright green light came on. Then the object rose straight up into the air and disappeared into the sky. And at that point, the neighbors looked at them and was like, you woke me up for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go to sleep. I'm okay with not seeing aliens if it means I'm asleep at 2 a.m. You're never asleep at 2 a.m. I'm on Tumblr at 2 a.m. Tumblr and Reddit. Outside. <laughs> I'm never outside. <laughs> I'm rethinking my life decisions at 2 a.m. The sightings of everything tapered off between April and November of 1967. Well, the sightings of the Mothman tapered off uh, between April and November of 1967. At that point, more and more UFO sightings were seen. So the Mothman went MIA, and the UFOs were just like, hey, (laughs) we're here too. Oh, what's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> oh, my Lord. That's something that, from the deep recesses of my subconscious. <laughs> Scary Movie was really good when it first came out. It, it was, was. So Um, On November 2nd, 1967, Ralph Thomas sees the red eyes of the Mothman near the TNT area behind his home. November 16th, a year and one day after the mallet sighting, the creature appeared again. So the Mothman came back basically a year and a day after the first sighting. Okay. Two hunters see it moving on foot through the McClintock Wildlife Area, or the TNT area. Really, the last sighting of the Mothman happened in late November in 1967 when an elderly businessman saw flaming red gar- flaming-eyed gargoyle standing in his front lawn. <laughs> Which is a new way to describe the Mothman. Yeah, I feel like that fits with what you said so far. Yeah. Sounds a lot less cartoony than Batman. That's true. Um, So the aliens started to taper off a little bit too. But before that, in 1967, a Ravenswood couple found themselves completely naked in the backseat of a car, as one does. That's what I wrote. (laughs) (laughs) They went out into the back roads uh, for some... Them time. Okay. <laughs> and a blinding bluish light poured in through the windows of the parked car. So if they, of course, they thought, oh shit, the cops found us. But then they both started feeling a funny tingling sensation. So the guy jumped up to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. 
I think the funny tingling sensation is just part of the them time. Yeah. Yeah. But the guy jumped up to stare into the light, at which I wrote a note that just said, what the fuck is wrong with West Virginia men? Stop addressing, like, stop confronting these things. Run away. That's not, it's not what we do. (laughs) It's not what happens in this Uh, state. He said that it wasn't a flashlight or a spotlight, but a big ball of bluish fire hovering a couple feet off the ground directly alongside their car. Then his girlfriend screamed, which is the appropriate response, causing the light to back off. And then I wrote, they were basically alien porn hub. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they had just come down to watch these people get it on in their backseat. And then as soon as they were caught, they were like, oh shit, let's leave. <laughs> They decided against going to the cops because, quote, her old man would have killed me. The next day, however, they found themselves heavily sunburned from head to foot. I don't need to be sunburned after you've watched me have sex with my boyfriend. Like, I pick, like, pick and choose. Do you want to watch or do you want to sunburn me? (laughs) Yeah, Um, I don't really want both of those. Everything pretty much culminated with Jane. There's really no last name given for Jane. Jane lived near Mount Misery. <laughs> I do. I never want to live in a place called Mount yeah, Misery. I don't really think I do either. But I mean, it's it's appropriate. <laughs> it's not wrong. It's not wrong. Kill describes Jane as uh, not illiterate, but she seldom read anything other than comic strips and Dear Abby. She knew nothing of UFOs, was a fallen Catholic, and a very sensitive woman who was more ethereal than uh, sensual. Okay, I can get behind that. Right? I can get behind her. Gil describes Mount Misery as a heavy wooded hill with a few narrow dirt roads and a number of large mansions, and it was also haunted. So Jane and her boyfriend were driving alone on a back road when Richard, the boyfriend, suddenly complained of... (laughs) Richard, just, the next door neighbor, um, the milkman. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you said that. <laughs> the boyfriend. The boyfriend. Um, suddenly complained of feeling unwell, so he stopped the car and a moment later slumped over the wheel unconscious. Thank God oh. he stopped the damn car. Yeah, Instead really. of just passing out mid-driving. Yeah. Before Jane could react, a brilliant beam of light shot out of the woods. The next thing they knew... They were driving along the road again, so she just lost all that time. A few days later, on May 17th, Jane answered the door, or answered the phone to a strange metallic voice that told her to listen carefully and that it could not hear her. It instructed her to go to a small public library nearby and look up a certain book on Indian history. The next day, she went to the library and found that it was deserted except for the librarian who was dressed in an old-fashioned suit like something out of the 1940s. So this was the 1960s, where in the book it actually says, this is, remember, this is the 1960s. It's before the 1940s came back in style. When did the 1940s come back in style? Now. Now. We're, we're stuck somewhere between the 80s and the 40s. That's a large swath of time. <laughs> Have you not looked at the fashion right now? Julia, I am in Nightmare Before Christmas leggings and a Crown the Empire shirt in what Cody has described as the loudest outfit you could possibly wear. I didn't ask if you had a fashion sense. I asked if you had looked at other people recently. No, because I never leave my house, as you nicely pointed out. Um, 
She said the librarian had a dark complexion with a fine bone structure and very black eyes and hair. Which, I'm going to add, this goes back to number two on our don't get murdered list. Don't enter the building. If nobody else is there except for this very strange woman, maybe don't go there. Maybe just go home. Well, no, I mean, it's a public library. With nobody there. Yeah. No one there. Public library. You could get murdered in a public library, Julia. I'm not saying that you can't. I'm saying that if you're looking for crowded places to go, maybe not a public library. Well, that's true. When Jane entered the library, this woman instantly produced the book she was looking for from behind her desk. So the woman posed as a librarian. I say posed because she later on just becomes known as the assistant to this alien that's contacting Jane. Jane described her speech and movements as if she were dead. So this... <laughs> okay, so she's a librarian. So she's a librarian, exactly. Jane says as she began to read the page she was instructed to, the print became smaller and smaller and then larger and larger and then changed into a different message altogether. It said, quote, Good morning, friend. You have been selected for many reasons. One is that you are advanced in auto-suggestion. She's gullible. <laughs> it, it, he's insulting her at this point. You are a gullible human being, and I've decided to choose you. <laughs> uh, it goes on to say, Through uh, this science, we will make contact. I have messages concerning Earth and its people. The time is set. Fear not. I am a friend. If you have to say, Hey, I'm a friend, you're not a friend. Remember, I'm a friend. <laughs> For reasons best known to ourselves, you must make your contact known to one reliable person. To break this code is to break contact. Proof shall be given. Notes must be kept of the suggestion state. Be at peace. And then he signed it, a pal. Then the text became very small again and returned to normal. As soon as she left the library, she became ill for the next two days. Jane contacted Keel. So immediately. Well, she she contacted somebody in her area and they were like, hey, contact, contact John Keel. He knows way more about this than I do. <laughs> in June, Jane began to see the librarian who was named Leah or Lia, L-I-A. Leah. Leah. Wherever she went. So this woman would just pop up like the Kool-Aid man. Hey, bitch, <laughs> I'm here. She appeared behind a dress rack while she was shopping. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, how's your shopping trip going? I see that you want that red blouse, but I don't think it's your color. <laughs> just a little, just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man <laughs> helping you out. <laughs> <laughs> Where was that? She also showed up at Jane's house and <laughs> wrote at the ass crack of dawn to tell her, shyly quote unquote that peter was coming so she showed up at dawn and was like hey who the fuck's peter hey, peter's coming jane was shook because in catholic lore or catholic lore predicts the final pope will be named peter so now lee is telling her she's about to die <laughs> peter's an actual person there she also showed up at jane's house and refused to talk about anything but eggs she even took eggs from jane's refrigerator and sucked out the contents like a reptile Oh, no. <laughs> Listen, I could have probably found a way to excuse the rest of this. The popping up out of a clothing rack while she's shopping? I, listen, some people just don't have great social skills. <laughs> That's true. Uh, we're pretty good examples of this. We're such good examples of this. But you don't, that's real gross. <laughs> you don't just suck <laughs> out the contents suck of out raw content. eggs. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe she's a bodybuilder. You know, they 
drink eggs. Yeah. She's just working on Not her. straight out of the goddamn shell. <laughs> you put that shit in a glass first, you uncivilized heathen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll take that to heart. <laughs> okay, so after she had told her that Peter was coming, a large Cadillac came down the street and stopped right beside them. The driver was an olive-skinned man wearing wraparound glasses and dressed in a neat gray suit. So another one of your Italian men. Okay. <laughs> then the rear door opened and a man climbed out. She said he was about 5'8", with dark skin and quote-unquote oriental eyes. He shook hands and told her his name was Apple. Spelled A-P-O-L, but pronounced Apple. Then the car sped off and Apple produced a piece of folded paper and handed it to her and told her to wear this always so... They know who you are. He never explained who they are. Okay. Uh, I assume it's like the men in black or other aliens. Okay. Basically, he's given her a dog collar. You're mine. When Jane asked who they were, Apple told her they were very good people. (sighs) All right. I might. I'm sorry. I've just been traumatized by this presidency. <laughs> I am you say such that, a good person, and I immediately don't believe you. <laughs> exactly, I wouldn't have believed you in the first place, but now I just hear Trump saying it. The paper contained a metal disc about the size of a quarter. They walked towards the post office after she received this dog collar. Um, and Jane impulsively decided to mail the disc to somebody. Apple told her a number of things, then told her a number of things about her childhood that no one could have known and advised her to avoid iodine. Why? (laughs) Why not? All right. (laughs) Then the car reappeared and Apple left. The next day, Keel received the metal disc. He said it looked like a blank identification tag similar to those that come with flea collars. So he he literally gave her a dog collar. Okay. He examined it and put it back in the envelope to mail back to Jane. Uh, However, when she received it, she found the envelope had been ripped in three pieces and the metal disc was bent and had turned charcoal black and also smelled like rotten eggs. So, first of all, Apple definitely made her send this to Keel. And then he tried to send it back, and it was like, nope, no more, I'm good. (laughs) You don't need this anymore. They are good people. They can tell you immediately that you don't need the dog collar. It's fine. On June 12th, Mr. Apple and his friend visited Jane when she was at home alone at her house and presented her with three pills and told her to take one at that moment and take one other in two days. The third pill was for her to have analyzed to assure herself that it was harmless. This strange-ass man comes to your house with pills. Dare was ineffective, but I feel like it prepared me (laughs) enough for this. Uh, Came to her house, told her to take these pills, and she was like, I I got this. Two hours after taking the pill, she came down with a blinding headache, her eyes became bloodshot, and her vision and her right eye was affected. Her family said that her eyes were glassy and her right eye seemed to have a cast. Mm. I'm not totally sure that her family wasn't just convinced she was on meth. <laughs> she keeps talking about this Mr. Apple oh. coming out of nowhere. Meth wasn't Give... like a thing then. Oh, what? Cocaine? It's the yeah. 60s. Cocaine. She's just cocaine. on a bunch of cocaine. LSD. Uh, LSD. The sample pill proved to be a sulfa drug usually prescribed for infections. So they just gave her this 
placebo drug and then gave her two drugs that they were like, you take these and this placebo drug will throw them off the case. (laughs) Okay. Two days later, she took the second pill. I'm done after the first one. I'm done after my family finds me glassy-eyed in their house. Maybe it was a good trip. (laughs) Maybe it was a great trip. Aside from that headache thing. But, like, if you just get headaches... So, two days later, she took the second pill, then her phone rang, and a man with a quote-unquote crude Brooklyn accent told her he was Colonel John <laughs> Dalton of the Air Force, and he wanted to talk to her about Mitchell Field. Uh, she said she didn't know anything, and he asked if he could interview her at her house, but didn't ask for her address and hung up. The next day, around 8, when her parents had left, he and his partner rang her doorbell. Okay, I'm just 15 times a freak, though. But, you know, whatever. She said they both seemed normal and polite and were in a black suit. They asked her about what she knew about uh, a local saucer, like flying saucer landing, and the occupants in the area. Jane said she didn't believe in flying saucers, despite being repeatedly contacted by Mr. Apple. Mm-hmm. Then Don handed her a form and asked her to fill it out or at least sign it. Which, as what? Law, which, don't do that. <laughs> as law students were like, no, you got to read it first. You can't just sign it. Jane said the form had nothing to do with UFOs, but asked for asked for a lot of her personal history, such as education, medical background, and family history. She didn't. Smart girl. And they left. On June nineteenth, Mr. Apple gave Jane a message to pass along to Keel, saying that things will become more serious in the Middle East. The Pope will go there soon and will be knifed to death, and then the Antichrist will rise up out of Israel. I really think this is just LSD. I really (laughs) have a feeling that's just LSD. Apple would go on to make further predictions, which would be given to kill, or he would make predictions to kill personally. Some of these predictions are... The pig would be attacked in a crowd at the airport by a man dressed in black in a black suit, wielding a black knife. Then there would be three days of darkness and worldwide power failure. Martin Luther King would be murdered February 4th. He would be shot in the throat standing on the bal- on his balcony in Memphis. Red China would be admitted to the United Nations, which actually uh, did happen. Robert Kennedy should stay out of hotels. <laughs> Uh, man shouldn't walk on the moon. Keel would move to a new apartment. A terrible forthcoming disaster would happen on the Ohio River. But their disaster was that the factories along the Ohio River would blow up. And he once told Jane that certain women were being selected for artificial insemination. <laughs> they were not. Okay. <laughs> After the initial prediction, Keel went to Jane's house and hypnotized her. He began asking questions about Apple but ended up talking to Apple himself through Jane. So he started asking her questions about Apple, and then Apple just started, like, took over and started talking to Keel. Oh, that's creepy as hell. I know, right? right. Uh, He really only wanted to talk about Marilyn Monroe and Robert Kennedy, though. (laughs) Can you imagine you get to talk to an alien, and they're like, hey, are the Kennedy, is Marilyn Monroe sleeping with the Kennedys? Yeah, but you, you said a whole bunch of other predictions. Could we go back to that? Yeah, but okay. But Marilyn Monroe and the Kennedys, though? Okay, but, like, there was this thing about the Pope. <laughs> and then there was this other thing about Martin Luther King. <laughs> oh, no. Don't worry about those. Marilyn Monroe and the Kennedys, though. <laughs> uh, he also warned that Kennedy was in grave danger. He gave predictions on pending plane crashes, 
but then returned to the Kennedys and Miss Monroe. So he gave Keel a little bit, but was really just fixated on the Kennedys and Marilyn Monroe. The session then ended when Jane woke herself up, which doesn't happen under hypnosis. Keel says that it is an impossibility. So I it's further don't creepy. Believe that, but okay. <laughs> I said, by the way, the predicted plane crashes happened right on schedule. However, the Pope was not assassinated and there was no blackout until 1970. Okay. Uh, when Pope Paul arrived in the Philippines and a man dressed in black came out of the crowd and sprang at the Pope with a long black knife. Okay. How creepy is that? Security wrestled him to the ground there and the Pope survived. And King was assassinated uh, on April 4th, not February 4th, as Apple had told him. And then came the Silver Bridge collapse uh, in 1967. No, the disaster on the Ohio. The disaster on the Ohio. Which also wasn't what Apple told him it was going to be. No, just all of the factories that were along the Ohio. They didn't blow up. They dried up. Yeah. The uh, bridge just stopped. It was December 1967. The 40-year-old Silver Bridge, which spanned from Point Pleasant to Colligan, 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 yeah. Okay. Ohio collapsed at 5 in the evening. It was 10 days till Christmas. There was bumper-to-bumper traffic on it. Mm-hmm. Denny uh, Bellamy describes the collapse uh, as the bridge swung one way and dumped half the cars in the river swung the other way, dumped the other half in the river, and then fell on them. Oh, God, it's horrible. He says there were cars and Christmas gifts floating in the river afterwards. Oh, that's sad. How upsetting is that? R.E. Odell was in an insurance office a block from the bridge when it collapsed. He said it sounded like someone was moving furniture upstairs when the lights went out. Mary Heyer was at a drugstore during the collapse. She said it sounded like a jet plane going through the sound barrier, like a rumbling roar that hit hurt your eardrums. And then, like with Odell, the lights flickered and went out. It was the middle of December in West Virginia, so the water was freezing. Um, if the bridge didn't kill you, then the hypothermia would. Yes. It killed 46 people and dumped 31 vehicles into the water. Uh, rescue teams only recovered 38 of the bodies, and there were several people that were never heard from again and presumed dead. Okay. The bridge itself was lifted piece by piece from the water and reconstructed. Um, engineers decided the collapse was due to a metal fatigue and structure failure, which makes sense. It was a 40-year-old bridge. But also, if you've been on, like, any of the bridges in West Virginia. Yeah. There was... You expect metal fatigue and structural damage. Oh, yeah. There was... Because none of them are maintained. No. There was one leading from um, Athens. Like, you take this little back road in Athens to get to him. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, this... There was. It's not there anymore. There was this bridge that you crossed uh, to get into Hinton. And um, you would see chunks of it falling into the water. Oh, yeah. It was god-awful. And then they were they started building a second one, and I don't know who they consulted to build that bridge, but I don't think they actually had the credentials they said because it, like, rose and went down, but it wasn't an arch. It was just supposed to be straight, but it was, like, tilted and, like, <laughs> and, like rose up and came, like, met the other side at a weird angle, so they had to repave the whole road. Oh, no. It was bad. 
Yeah. Um, but well, it, I mean, there was one bridge in Morgantown. Morgantown is a fairly major city in West Virginia. Yeah. And it's in a densely populated area of Morgantown with a lot of traffic on Saberton Avenue. Oh, yeah. It, it's a very nice bridge now, but they had to put a net underneath mm-hmm. of it for more than a couple of years. There wasn't even because a net. it would just fall. Well, there was a road underneath the bridge, so it would just fall onto oh, the cars. Onto the cars, yeah. Instead of into the like, if it was just the river, yeah, no big deal. But like, there were people down there. We like West Virginia has about habit of waiting until bridges are at their absolute worst yeah. before they decide to fix them. No, um, we have some pretty bad crumbling infrastructure problems. Yeah. We could really use some kind of solution for that. <laughs> if anyone But we have a thirty five thousand dollar couch. <laughs> right? <laughs> Justice um, Davis needed an eight thousand dollar office chair. Oh like, my god. Fix our damn bridges. <laughs> right. Okay, so during this bridge collapse, two miles north of the bridge, Miss Jackie, Lily, and family saw a series of flashing lights moving in and out of the trees. There were 12 in total, which at that point was the most UFO UFO activity they'd had in a while. Okay. It also was only after the tragedy that people started saying the Mothman was on the bridge before it collapsed. After that, the Mothman was just gone. He just, there were no more sightings. Um. There had been sightings uh, here and there, but there really hasn't been a sighting in Point Pleasant after the collapse of the bridge. That's pretty much the end of the Mothman. Like, that's pretty much because he disappeared after that. There are theories, so let's go into the theories. Some of the theories about what the Mothman was, was he was a government experiment gone awry, which, after reading John Keel's book, I'm totally for. Okay. (laughs) Also, of course, the talk's waste and everything. Um, So one theory is that the Mothman is a mutated bird from waste dumpings. Which would explain the men in black. Men in black, if they weren't aliens, if they were government officials, they're coming to find their government experiment gone awry. The Mothman is an alien, um, is of course a, another theory. He's an alien. Right. The most recognized theory, however, is that he is an angel or omen of death. Okay. Especially after the bridge collapse. Yes. Another theory about what the Mothman was, when all this hysteria was going on, a professor from WVU was just like, it's a crane, (laughs) y'all. It's just a big crane. And the town collectively went, no, fuck you, it's the Mothman. (laughs) And that is the Mothman and the Men in Black of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. All right, thanks y'all so much for listening. So hit us up, uh, listen, and Tell us what you think. And also, if you have your own hometown story, please write into what's in your hometown at gmail.com. We would love to hear your hometown stories. Absolutely. Love to hear your hometown stories. So just remember with all the strange stuff that's going on, you gotta wonder what's in your hometown. Bye. Bye. <laughs>